like that. You Hello, everybody, and welcome that. to this, this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I do not know how this show is going to do today. I, to be honest, I really don't want to record a show right now. I'm freaking tired. I'm not feeling the greatest, but every time, this is what's motivating me right now. Most of the time, when I tell myself, Logan, I don't want to record, Logan, I don't want to do this, Logan, I don't want to do that, the show always turns out to be actually a whole hell of a lot better than I thought it would. It actually happens, actually, in reverse order, when I say, oh, dude, I am feeling good, I am feeling ready, I'm feeling jazzed up for a show, then the show turns kind of, you know, ass, but we're here, we're live, it's a little later than per usual, it's around 8.30, again, I have been trying to talk myself into this the entire evening. I had no idea this was going to happen. I went to bed late the past few nights. We'll go over all that stuff here in a little bit. Let's make sure to go over the housekeeping items first, though. And starting off with the social media accounts, make sure to go and follow The Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is the Logan Blackman Show. <laughs> I almost forgot what the Instagram account was. Uh, Facebook and YouTube search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And you can also go check out the Logan Blackman Show on the LoganBlackmanShow.com. You can check out blog posts on there. And before you say anything, before you say anything, before you say, hey, 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 before you say anything, Yes, I am aware. I know there's a lot of you waiting for this. I know there's a lot of you waiting out there. Wait, just waiting, scratching. You're like, you need it. You need your blog post fix. And we did not end up dropping one on New Year's Day. And I do apologize for that. But to me, right after I record that show Thursday, and I love doing mock draft shows. And we'll talk a little bit about the, about the draft on this episode. But it just made more sense to me to wait until after the national championship game, which is on Monday, January what? Come on, people, say it with me. It's not because I forgot. You're supposed to say it along. Hey, January 8th. Yes, you are correct, kids. We Good job, everybody. It's January 8th when the national championship is. So goal here is to either drop it on the 9th or the 10th because not only will the national championship have already taken place, it will also be the end of the NFL regular season, which is sad times for everything out there. But just make sure you go to loganbymanshow.com. When it does come out, and you can also check out the blog post and all the different forms of social media we mentioned before. But the most important thing here is make sure to follow the Logan Blackman Show on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure to leave a rating on a five stars. It could be a five-star rating or, or, or a one-star rating. Those are your two options. <laughs> now, I don't care what the rating is as long as you leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. Because I know this show's not great all the time. I like to think some shows are better than others. And I'm very critical of myself. So if you don't think the show is up to snuff or up to par or up to your high standards as a listener, let me know. But again, just make sure to leave a description down below and why you feel the way you do. Now again, this weekend was freaking crazy. I assume it was crazy for a lot of you out there because this week was New Year's Eve. A happy 2024, ladies and gentlemen that are listening to the show right now. It's a very good time. Let's give, let's give a round of applause. I can't really clap because I'm holding the mic at stage. So we're going to slap the table. Hey! Hey, let's go. Happy New Year, everybody. Crazy time. Oh, my God. Uh, it's just amazing, amazing, amazing times. Let's go over everything that happened this weekend. So Friday, my friend Drake, my good friend Drake and his band Dire Awake, which is a band of three brothers from Des Moines, Iowa. They had a show down at Lefty's Friday night at like 10 o'clock. It was scheduled to be at 9. At least that's what the hope was. 
And then they were like, oh, it might be 9.30. And then it went to 10. So then that night, I'm sitting there, 10 o'clock. We're watching Dire Wake. We're having a good time. They have a long set. It's a good show. And then we stay there for the next act, which I have not, I've rarely done. I think I've done like two or three times in my time of going to Dire Wake consciousness, staying for another act. Usually I just see Dire Wake. We say our goodbyes to Drake and his brothers, and we dip. It's usually what happens. But this is when we stayed a little later. So I did not leave Des Moines over by Drake until about 1.10, somewhere around there. And for those of you who are unaware, I live in Madrid. And for those of you even less aware than that, it is a long drive from Drake to Madrid. It is not like a two-minute drive. It's not a ride around the corner and you just pop in, pop out in your home. That's not what happens. No, this was a long, long long drive. I'm not saying I shouldn't say like that because it makes it sound like it's we're going to Buffalo or something. No, it's like a half hour, 40 minute drive from this spot in Des Moines. And it is 1.10 in the morning. Can you believe that? 1.10 in the morning. And I'm sitting there like, man, I should really go, but I'm having a, I'm having a jolly old time with the fellas here right now. So I, I feel like I should stay. No one else is leaving. So if I leave, I look like the asshole because everybody's just hanging out, listening to the music. We're just chilling. We're just vibing. You know, it's a vibe. And we're just sitting there chilling. And I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave because no one else is leaving. I want to leave with somebody so I don't look like a freaking asshole leaving all by my freaking self. So I stay as a jolly good friend. <laughs> and this band was fine. It was a good band. Good, good, good band. And then DJ Blondo, I think, was after that. I did not really stay much for DJ Blondo. We helped Drake load up his car, and then we left. And the drive starts. Drive's going smoothly. And I hate these types of drives because you're really tired. So you're sitting there, like, on, like trying to get a song to get you back or find a playlist to get you back. But then once you get in that zone, you're like, man, nothing is hitting like I want it to. Nothing is hitting like I want. You don't know if you want to listen to rap, rock and roll, whatever. You don't know what you want to listen to. Some chill vibe R&B stuff? I don't know. But nothing was feeling right. So then you just put it on autopilot mode pretty much. You go back to brain neutral factory settings just drive. You go back to everything you learned in driver's ed and just go straight forward and just try not to get in an accident. And then I'm getting up the highway. Highway 17, which is a straight shot to my house once we get past all the twists and turns of Des Moines and then out of Grimes. Like, okay, we're on the last stretch. It's like 140 at this point. And we're driving last stretch. And I'm just cruising. There's no one out. I mean, obviously, it's 140 on a freaking Friday or Saturday morning, I guess. No one out. And I'm sitting there just like cruising along. And all of a sudden, this car goes past me on my left. And so it's a, it's a one-lane high or two-lane highway, I guess. Car goes past me. I'm just sitting there cruising. I got my car on cruise control. Like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, again, I'm in factory settings. I'm on brain neutral right now. I ironed my brain so it's nice and smooth before the drive back. Like, it was a boring drive. And then I look in my rear view mirror and this car's turning around. And then my head starts to flicker on a little bit. Like, we start, you know, rebooting everything. And I go, ah, shite, that's a police officer. I look down like, well, I'm not speeding. I mean, by the letter of the law, yes, I guess I was speeding because I remember back in driver's ed, they used to go, technically, they could pull you over for going one mile an hour over the speed limit. No one does that, but you know, you're sitting there like, oh my God, is that actually what's going to happen here? And in this case, now I have been pulled over for going very, very fast. Call me Sonic the Hedgehog, but this was not one of those times. Again, it's 1.40 in the morning, so I'm not really trying to get pulled over. I'm trying to get home and go to freaking bed. And then, boop. 
Light goes on. I'm going 65. It's a 55. So yes, I am technically speeding, and this cop's bored. There's no one else around. Boring times. I'm sitting there like, gosh, darn it. I'm just sitting there in the driver's seat. I turn the car off, set the keys to the side. I'm just sitting there, roll down the window. Cop goes over, and he tells he doesn't do the stupid, uh, do you know why I pulled you over? I was like, well, I have a general idea because I wasn't looking at my phone unless my, my freaking headlight was out, which I got fixed that day, so it wouldn't have surprised me it just burnt out again. That's what the headlight loves to do. So part of me thought it was that, and he just said, yeah, I got you going 65 and 55. I was like, ah, awesome. Giant waste of everybody's time here. I'm freaking tired. You pulled me over going around with no one else around going 65 and 55 at 140 in the morning. I don't want to be, you didn't need to do this. I just want to go home and go to bed. Where are you coming from? Yeah, I'm going from Des Moines. I had a friend's concert at Lefties. Any drinks? No. Like all this standard stuff. And license registration, all that stuff. Give it to him. He goes back to the car. I'm just sitting there. I'm waiting. And then all of a sudden, on my left side, because again, we're on, the, we're on the highway, this car booms past me. Like not even trying to slow down. Like it was like we were in need for speed or something like that. Or fast and furious. He was too fast and too furious though. Because the cops sprinted back to my driver's side window. Gave me, I say gave me, pretty much threw my license and registration back at me and said, hey, you're good to go. Once I get past, you can drive by. But uh, I got to go with that guy. And he just sprints in his car, sprints back to his car and goes chase that guy. And I'm like, so this was even more pointless than what it should have been. <laughs> at least give me the satisfaction of giving me like a warning or something. I don't think I was going to get a speeding ticket or anything. Maybe I was. I don't know. I felt like I was a very uh, cooperative individual in this situation. So I didn't think I was going to get a ticket, but maybe I did. Maybe I deserved one. Maybe I warranted one. But I was expecting at least a warning. Not just, poof, hey, I'm going to get that guy. Beow, gone. End of the night. And guess what? After that, I went 45 the rest of the way. And I hate those people that do that in normal situations. But again, no one else is around. I've been pulled over once for going 10 over. So I'm going to go 10 under just to make sure we are perfectly, perfectly okay. And what was even funnier, another cop had already pulled over said dickhead driver. So we had two cops with this one guy who's probably going 80 miles an hour on this highway. I literally looked at that. I was like, geez, he didn't even try to slow down. You know, the get over law. You just get over. If you can't get over, you got to at least slow down for the cop. The cops will go chase you right after that. He was not messing around, man. And I got back. I went to bed as per usual. I wake up the next day. It's Saturday. Okay. Saturday night. This is we're going through all the events that we took, that took place this weekend because it was a pretty insane, hectic weekend. So I'm sitting in my house. I'm recovering. I mean, again, I went to bed at like two o'clock. I say I went to bed. I got into bed around two o'clock. Lord knows when I actually fell asleep. I don't know. But I'm laying there, and you're trying to like get back. You're trying to get back your brain factory settings reset and all that stuff. I gotta go out and let the stupid chickens out in the morning, so I had to get up earlier than when I wanted to. And when I wake up, I can't normally fall back asleep. So it was a very uncomfortable morning. So the rest of the day, pretty much, was just me laying around. But I had I had plans to go to Altoona to watch the Dallas Cowboys versus Detroit Lions game with my friend Zach and his fiance Lexi. Zach's a big Cowboys fan. Zach's been on the show a couple times before. It was gonna be a fun little evening. But I had nothing going on before then. And obviously there were some bowl games on that day. Tried to watch some of them. I don't even remember. What, I know Florida State versus Georgia was. I'm going to get to that game in a little bit. But that I guess that we should go back to Friday or Thursday. Thursday I got some uh, furniture for the basement. 
in regards to I got an entertainment center and a table. So the basement's starting to become more of a livable space, and I'm trying to furnish it so I can go down there. Because one of the reasons I got this house, and one of the main things I looked for when buying a house, was a basement that was at least semi-finished, or at least had good bones to where we could build something in there. Because I spent a lot of my time in my parents' basement growing up. Played a lot of video games down there, hung out with a lot of friends down there. Like, that was my domain growing up. So I wanted a house that I could use the basement, and I had nothing down there apart from a foosball table and my desk, which I haven't used since I've lived here. I, say, I take that back. I've used it one time. <laughs> I recorded their one show, and I stopped doing it again. It was the show after the Bills-Jets game. That was the show that we did. We ended up doing it down there. But I got some furniture, so we put it down there. So Saturday, I convinced myself, Logan, let's go buy a TV for the basement. I was like, okay, we got the furniture. We got some furniture down there. I ordered a couch today. It's going to be here either January 5th through the 9th or somewhere in between those. So I'm hoping it gets here before the national championship game, which would be freaking awesome if it was. We'll have to wait and see on that. We'll give, you, we'll give you updates on what happens there. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I talked myself into buying a TV. I was looking online, all these different options. I looked at Target. I was looking at Walmart and stuff like that. I looked at Best Buy. But my parents got their TV in the basement from Costco. They have a membership at Costco. So my dad was like, hey, it's a good spot to go get TVs. I wasn't seeing anything online. I don't know if it was like blocked or something. You needed a membership to see things online or something. But I was like, okay, fine. I'll go to Costco. This is my second time ever going to Costco, by the way. Second time ever. The first time was in Chicago like 10 years ago. I'm exaggerating. I don't remember exactly what year it was, but around that time. So this is my second time ever going. I'm going by myself on a Saturday afternoon. It is like 2 o'clock, somewhere around there. 1.30, 2 o'clock, sometime around there. Go home, get my parents' uh, Costco card, and I go to Costco. That place is hell. Now, for someone who doesn't really like people all too much, there is a lot of people at Costco at Saturday, on Saturday, from the hours of 1.30 to 2. There's a lot of stupid people walking around there because this store's so freaking huge. Everybody feels that your space is their space because that's how Costco just works, I guess. I'm, I'm good with never going back to Costco. <laughs> I am I am a-okay. Sam's Club's more my speed. I'm good with Sam's Club. I know it's the same general pros, pras, practice, but I'm good with Sam's Club. I don't need to go back to Costco anymore. You know what? Scratch that. I'm going to go to Target or Walmart or a place like that. Costco's too much for me. Too, I, I got overstimulated way too quick, and I couldn't take it. And plus the stupid cart that I had, because I can't use a normal cart because big money spender Logan over here can't buy a simple tiny TV. No, I already got a tiny TV. I want to get a bigger TV. So I go there with the idea of I'm buying like a 55, 58-inch TV, something like that. I'm like, yeah, so we're going to not be able to use these small, normal shopping carts. So I got to stu- use the stupid orange shopping carts, which is basically like the trolley thing. And conveniently, none of the wheels work. Like, I say none. Like, two of the wheels work. Out of the six that are on this stupid thing, two of them work. And it was someone who's already overstimulated with the amount of people there. This is not going to be fun. And then I get the stupid TV down. That was a nice TV. Nothing never, nothing over-exuberant over or anything. Solid TV. Good-sized TV. Cheaper side of things, too. But I was there, and I was sitting. I was like, man, what if I just, like, splurge a little bit, you know? What if I got, like, a 70-inch TV? I don't want to brag, but... 
I guess the Logan Blyman show is very kind to me in regards to the income we are receiving. <laughs> so I was sitting there. I was like, I could, I could maybe try and convince myself to getting a 70-inch TV or something like a 65-inch TV. But no, I talked myself down from the cliff. And I said, no, we're going to come here for what we came. We're going to get what we came here for as the standard television. It's like a TCL television, 55-inch, 58-inch. I don't remember the exact size of it. We'll get to that size of the TV here in a little bit. I go to the register. Buy the TV and the stupid wheels of the cart. All of them. Remember I said two of them working. This time, all of them stopped working. All at the same time. All at the same time. So this cart just glues itself to the freaking, uh, what do you call it? The register thing? So I'm trying to push this thing on, and it's not moving. It's just making, like it's barely moving. It's inching forward. It is infuriating. And I'm already getting frustrated because the, the lady at the cash register making me feel like a freaking idiot. For not knowing how to use my Costco card. I didn't know what I needed to show her. I thought just showing the guy the card that I got in the store was good enough. No, I got to show the register lady too. And uh, it's just not, it's not going my way. It's really not going my way here. I finally get outside. I get away from the people. I get to the car. Got this stupid orange cart that I'm going to have to bring all the way back inside. Because conveniently there's no cart corral for these stupid orange carts. So I got to go make my way back inside after I get the TV in. But there's the problem. The TV does not fit in my car. Again, it's a 55, 58-inch TV. Not a massive TV or anything, but just big enough in the box anyways to where it doesn't fit in my car. I am having a mini panic attack at this point because I came down from Madrid. I'm in West Des Moines. Again, that is a half-hour drive from Madrid. So now I'm stuck in a situation where I might need to go back to my parents' house. My parents are out. There were some friends. There's this part of me that's like, I'm going to have to drop this back up inside I'm going to have to drive home. I'm going to have to steal my dad's truck, go back to Costco, then grab the TV, put the TV in my dad's truck, go up to Madrid, drop the TV off, come back to Johnston or Urbandale, and grab my car and then go back to Madrid. That was like worst case scenario for me. So I'm struggling to get this TV in. And then all of a sudden, a good Samaritan comes up to me and offers to help. Little old me was overjoyed. I needed the assistance. But the part... <laughs> Obviously, I hope you can tell I'm being sarcastic. I was infuriated by the guy coming up to me at this point in time. I am not in a good headspace at this point in time. The TV is not fitting in the car. I just paid 300 freaking dollars for a TV, and I can't get it in my tiny little car. Because the door doesn't open up wide enough, apparently, and then the center console's not helping anything at all. The seats don't go down, so I had just I was trying to figure out a way to get this in there. And then this guy who I walked past to walked past going to my car. He's going back inside. I said going back. He's sprinting inside with another one of these orange carts. So he just got a TV. So he's sprinting inside with this orange cart to put it back inside. And, I'm, and he comes up to me. I'm probably not, you know, the most friendly person to approach in this situation. And he comes up to me out of breath. I don't know if he sprinted back from inside or he was out of breath in the fact that he just sprinted inside. He was walking his back. And he was still trying to collect his breath. So this guy comes up to me. And you know those feelings where you're just like, if anybody talks to me, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. If anybody talks to me, I'm going to lose my mind. I, I'm so fret. I just need to be left alone and let me figure this out. Let alone a stranger. <laughs> this guy comes up to me. What do you think he said to me? What do you think in this guy's imminent wisdom? Imagine out of breath, older guy, probably 60-something, 
late 50s, mid 60s, somewhere around there. Out of breath, take a guess. I'll give you five seconds to guess what this guy said to me. It's a lot easier than what you think it is. Three, two, one. Looks like your car's too small. Looks like my damn car's... Yeah, I can see that. Thanks, Captain Obvious. I don't need you to tell me my car's... I didn't say that. I just said, yep. I'm like, <laughs> like gritting teeth, like, yep. You need some help? He's like, nah, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. And the guy, <laughs> he goes over his monologue about how he just bought a TV. But a couple years ago, he bought a TV, but he couldn't fit it in his car. He had a Malibu, so it's a little smaller than my car. So he couldn't, he couldn't fit it in then either. So this guy, I'll give you another chance. So we, we played the game earlier about what he said to me. What do you think he said to me after I said, oh, yeah? When he was talking about the car. Because, you know, you're trying to end the conversation. trying to give you, yeah, like, as, uh, I don't know the correct way to say this. But, like, as standoffish as possible, I guess. Where you don't want to continue this conversation. So you're just like, ah, uh, yep. Trying to be friendly, but try not to lose your mind at the exact same time. So what do you think he said after I said that? After I said that. I'll give you five seconds again. Five, four, three, two, one. If your answer was, hey, I got a bigger truck. If you want to put it in the back of my truck, I can help you out. If that was your guess, you win $100. Congratulations if that was your guess. Because that is exactly what this guy said to me. He said, hey, we can put it in my truck. If, if you need help, we can put it back there. And I said, oh, it's, I didn't even think of that. So I said, yeah, take the TV. And I never saw the TV again. No, that's what would have, what would have happened if I gave my freaking TV. Two options ran through my mind there. Two options. One of them was, okay, and I'm sad this wasn't the first option that I thought. This was the, not the, this was the first thing I thought. It's like, okay, so this guy is going to follow me to Madrid. And then he's going to know where I live. And he's going to help me probably say he's going to help me carry the TV inside. He's probably going to help me carry it down to the basement. I'm going to get killed. That's, the, that's what's going to happen here. And option two, which I did not think of until later, I mean, he's just going to take the TV. <laughs> I, like, I'm thinking of it now. What if he didn't even buy a TV? What if he just had the cart and was running back inside to make it seem like he bought a TV and he was really just looking for some sucker like me to go, hey, yeah, you could help me. Good Samaritan. Jeez. Like, I, I've never had that experience in my life. I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I, I'll figure it out. And if I can't, then I'm in tough shit. Because my parents are conveniently down all the way on the east side by the fair. So they're not really in any position to help me at this point in time. So I'm like, this guy's got to go. So i got to figure out some way to get this TV to fit my car. Eventually, I just yam it in there. And I have to rip the box because, you know, the TV is smaller than the box. That's why it's in the box. So you rip the box, take the styrofoam out, some of the styrofoam. And then, like, I slowly but kind of forcefully at the same time, like, nudge the door shut. Like, I'm not trying to hit the TV, so I'm not trying to go, Koo! and just, like, surprise the door or anything. So I'm putting all my weight on the door but not trying to slam it because I don't know where the door is hitting on the thing. Thankfully, it was just hitting the cardboard of the box. So I got the TV in. <laughs> I didn't need no stranger helping me out. I didn't need him stealing the TV from me. No, we got it in the car. But my seats are, like, pushed all the way forward. <laughs> so it is one of the most uncomfortable half-hour drives of my freaking life. And this would have been a great time to get pulled over again. And I'm just sitting there in the car. I drive back to Madrid. I get it all set up. 
And then Brady comes over and we watch some football. We watch Florida State versus Georgia ass kicking, by the way. We'll get to that game in a little bit. And then I went over to Altoona, watched the Cowboys-Lions game with Zach. Uh, I think technically the Bills needed the Cowboys. They're not needed, but it, it helped the Bills for the Cowboys doing because it helped to strike the record thing. But it wouldn't have hurt my feelings too much if the Cowboys lost the Lions. And I'm not really in a position to care either way about, oh, they screwed the refs, screwed up, or they didn't. I do not care. <laughs> I am not a lie. Now, believe me, if I was a Lions fan or this happened to the Bills, I'd be losing my shit. Like, they reported, per the Lions, Taylor Decker reported, but the refs announced, I can't remember his name, but number 70, they said number 70 is reported eligible. If Taylor Decker reported eligible, why didn't he go over to the ref after hearing the PA announcer, after hearing the ref say over the loud system that 70 reported eligible and go, hey, actually, I reported eligible. You got us confused. Why didn't they say that? Because it doesn't make for good television. Now we got people freaking out all over Twitter. And then two times later, uh, the Lions fail in two-point conversion plays. <laughs> Micah Parsons jumped off sides the very next play. And then on the final thir- uh, the final two-point conversion play, the Lions missed it again. That's the old George Bush quote again. I know there's a saying in Texas. I know it's a Texas. Or saying in Tennessee. I always know it's Texas. Probably Tennessee, too. There's a go, same on. Fool me once. Shame on you. Shame on you. Well, you fool me, can't get fooled again. And the Lions not only got fooled again, they got fooled a third time. So you know what? I have no sympathy for the Detroit Lions. I have no sympathy for them. The refs screwed it up. Yes, they did. And the refs got demoted. Later, the rumors of getting demoted. Good. They deserved that because they were ass. And this whole season of the NFL has been dedicated, and just football in general, has been dedicated to horrific refing. Horrific refing. Absolutely atrocious refing. It's awful on every single level. Like, I don't think that this, I've talked to my friends about this. I don't think there's been a worse season of refing since the replacement refs. Like, that's how bad we're talking here. We're going replacement refs level bad here. And it's not like every game, it's not like individual game. It feels like every game has stupid calls like this. Not necessarily, I guess I shouldn't say like this, but not to this level, but has stupid calls throughout the course of a game. Happens a thousand times. It has happened a thousand times this season. The one I always revert back to is the intentional grounding call. Not both intentional grounding calls. The one against the Bengals on the Bills and the one against the Eagles. Both those intentional grounding plays are locked into my head forever. (laughs) Because those were two of the worst calls I've ever seen in my life. But let's continue on this this, uh, fun track of a weekend. And then Sunday, you know, New Year's Eve. We sit in a basement. Watch the Cowboys, or Cowboys, watch the Packers-Vikings game. And play Mario Kart till about 1.30. So there's my struggles of being freaking tired. That's not really eventful, that one. But I went to bed at around 2, two nights this weekend. I say went to bed. I was laying in bed around 2, two times this weekend. I guess I was laying in bed every night this weekend. But I started going to bed (laughs) at 2 o'clock two times this weekend. It's not fun. And I don't really do a whole lot for your like well-being emotionally and physically. <laughs> it doesn't really do a whole lot for you. I am drained. Like, a lot. <laughs> I am not in a good spot right now. But I know the fans. The glorious fans out there need a show. 
need a show that obviously Monday went to bed a little earlier last night. And I, I, I'm ashamed to admit that, admit that, but I did go to bed a little earlier last night, but man, man, oh man, eventful weekend, eventful weekend, eventful weekend to end 2023. Good Lord. Like 2023, Friday and Saturday were two of the most insane, stupid weekends <laughs> of, of, of 2023. Good Lord. The concert was good. The concert was great. But the getting pulled over part, I get, you know what? That was just all on Saturday. That was on Saturday too. The getting pulled over was Saturday. It's like Saturday morning. The getting the guy threatening to steal my TV was on Saturday. <laughs> Like, there's so many stupid things that happened on Saturday, December 30th. Oh, my goodness. And we're here. We're here. I have a TV. I just ordered a couch. The basement's coming together. Hopefully, it's here before the National Championship game. But should we start off with that? Should we start off? I know it's the last sporting event that happened, or one of the last sporting events that happened. Like, all the other games this weekend, Saturday, Sunday. I like how the NFL and college football had this, like, handshake agreement where the NFL will not trifle with any of the college footballs any college football games uh, schedule and the co- and college football will not alter theirs or like screw with the NFL's at all. Like Saturday, all the games were done, college football-wise, were done before the Cowboys and Lions game. The Orange Bowl started at 3. They had ball, Barstool Sports Bowl started at 3. No games after that. And it was the Cowboys game. Sunday, there was no games. New Year's Eve, there was no bowl games. Because the NFL rules Sundays. The NFL rules all pretty much. We talked about the Christmas Day stuff. With the five NBA games versus the three NFL games. Craziness. And then obviously Monday. No Monday games. Because we have the national championship semifinal games. And that's where we're going to start off actually. Uh, Iowa took on Tennessee. <laughs> Great segue. Great segue. We're talking about the, the best teams in college football. I started off by talking about Iowa. Yeah, see? It fooled you. Fooled you. Get, get screwed on. <laughs> it's my show. I claim who the national championship is, champion is. Like, Iowa... Lost by 26 to Michigan. Hold on. We gotta figure out how we're doing this. I'm gonna bend the rules so wildly you're not even mentally you're not get mentally prepared for how I'm gonna spin this around. Get ready for this. Oh, never mind. Hmm. <laughs> it didn't really work out how I wanted to. Um Iowa allowed 26 points against Michigan which is less than what Alabama did. And Alabama is in the semi. Yeah, that's how we're going to do it. Iowa allowed less points than Alabama did against Michigan in a way bigger game. Big time championship game, way bigger game, way bigger college football game. But no, seriously, let's talk about Iowa because I got to get somber. It was fun talking about all those stupid events that happened. Now we're going to get somber. Now we're going to get depressing. Now we're going to get frustrated. Now it's going to be a not fun part of the show where we have the segment where we talk about Iowa football. Oh my goodness. What an asshat way to end the season. That's the best way I can put What a shit-ass way to end the season right there. That's a joke. That's the best way I can put it. I'm not, I'm not smiling. I'm not doing anything here. This is, I, this is ridiculously bad. And you know what we talked about Thursday? It was either Thursday or Wednesday or Friday or Wednesday. I don't remember what show it was. We're going to talk about Marco Linez starting the bowl game. That'd be a very Kirk Ferentz thing to do is to bench the starting quarterback in the bowl game rather than do it when it actually, you know, matters. That's exactly what happened here. 28 nothing down, you bench the worst quarterback in Iowa history. Like, it was so bad that no fan out there 
really let it known in the stadium. Like Petrus, people let it know. Jake Christensen, people let it know. Better quarterback, Stanzi, Tate, they let it know. Deacon Hill was so bad, people were apathetic towards the entire situation. I don't even think Deacon Hill would start for Grandview. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think Deacon Hill would start for Grandview. NAIA Grandview. How did Deacon Hill get to two Big Ten universities? Granted, not really known for their quarterback development or anything, but how did he manage to get into these two universities to play football? Who does he have pictures of? It is insane. Like, it's insane. I don't know what <laughs> what brings Kirk to keep trotting Deacon Hill out there until it's damn near impossible. Not damn near. It's impossible to come back. Like, this is not saying anything against Deacon the person. Deacon can be a very good person. He can be a very good individual. Teammates like, I mean, Jay Higgins. It was Jay Higgins or Nick Jackson. I can't remember who said it. One of the linebackers said, we do a good job of not recruiting douchebags for quarterbacks. That's what we want to hear. You want to hear you got good people. But you also want to hear they're actually good at football. And I don't believe anything they're saying about he looks good at practice because he's shit. That's the long and short of it. There's no other way to put it. It's He's just bad. And the fear is that Cade McNamara comes back next year, Cade goes on after that, and Deacon Hill's the starter after Cade leaves. That cannot happen under any circumstance. Like, I don't, I don't even want to read <laughs> the stats towards Deacon Hill. I don't want to read them, but I will. De- stats for Deacon Hill. Two rushing touchdowns, five passing touchdowns, seven interceptions, 11 fumbles, 48% completion percentage, 80 total yards per game. Not to mention, he threw an interception in the red zone against Tennessee. Not to mention, he fumbled at like the two-yard line against Tennessee. Not to mention, he was rolling out to the right. Could have kept rolling. Decided to just freaking stop for no reason. I've never seen a quarterback have negative pocket presence before playing at a D1 college, let alone a D1 college that played for a conference title, got carried there by their defense. They flashed a graphic for how many points the worst offenses in the country scored this year. I think combined, the other teams, the bottom five, equal 10 wins. And I was sitting there with 10. And for the people out there that actually sit there this season, I'm not saying there's a lot of them, but there are some, because there's dumb fans in every single fan base out there that sit there and defended this team, this offense. Shame on you, seriously. I say that with all disrespect. I say that with all disrespect. Because this is ass. 35 to nothing against top 25 teams, which I would play three of them this year. They scored zero points against Penn State, Michigan, and Tennessee. I understand Michigan and Penn State are known for having solid defenses, but zero points in three attempts. Iowa has not scored a single point since they played Nebraska in the last week of the regular season. That's the last time I was, that's two games ago. Lose 26 to nothing against Michigan. Lose 35 to nothing against Tennessee. Who had a bunch of people out and a true freshman quarterback starting. And the thing is, no one expected anything different. Maybe you thought the score would be a little closer. No one really thought Iowa was going to win this game. No one did. Tennessee's a very explosive offense. Josh Hubble's a very solid head coach. Good play game caller. Doesn't matter how good Iowa's defense is, if the offense can't do anything, the defense is going to keep trotting out there with no rest. And the bendo break mentality only works so long when you have something else to help you out. 
The offense has done zero favors to this defense this year. Like, come on. Deacon Hill might not be the biggest problem. He's definitely one of them. Margo Linus came in the game, and on two attempts, I believe, he led the team in rushing. I'm not saying Marco Linus is the future of Iowa football or anything like that, but you could make a change once. What did Joey Labus really do to warrant not playing at all, and you finally bench Deacon Hill when Labus leaves? I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Like, he's is awful to watch. Like, I'm not going to sit here and act like I could have done much better. I like to think I know the quarterback position, but I played a freaking William Penn. <laughs> like, I'm not sitting here saying, like, Logan Blackman would be the better, better quarterback at Iowa than Deacon Hill would. But I can tell you this, my eyes work. I can at least somewhat feel pressure. I don't have as strong of his arm as him, but I don't think a lot of quarterbacks do. Doesn't matter so much when you're not accurate. And the receivers are throw, so thrown off, but he actually hits them, they drop it every single freaking time. The dude couldn't drop, fall, he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a freaking boat. If he threw the ball at the floor, he'd go up against the ceiling. I don't understand how this works. I feel kind of bad because it could be considered bullying because I am older than him, which is odd. I still haven't wrapped my head around that yet. I'm 26 years old. But come on, man. Come on. Like, this is much on the coaches, too, because he's bad, but you got to You can take him out. You can take him out. And at, the, at these points in the season, it was like they're just doing it to be stubborn because they're winning regardless because they're playing such ass teams. Terrible teams. Like, it's insane. It's like they're just prove, trying to prove a point. But with no point being there. Because the offense was still ass. Pay Phil Parker whatever the hell he wants to get paid. Seriously. Pay him whatever he wants. If he wants to be paid more than the head coach, do that. Because I have never seen an easier candidate to win coordinator of the year. Like, it is insane. Insane how bad this team, this, this offense is. I almost said team. The team, defense, special teams, all great. All great. Nick Jackson, Jay Higgins, great. Castro, great. My mom won't like me saying this, but Joe Evans, very good player. Like, you've got pieces on this team. Harris, good player. Obviously, Cooper DeGene, but he's hurt. Tory Taylor. There's so many good players. Craig, Logan Lee. Like, you got players on this team. Schulte. And it's just like, what are we doing? I understand Luke Lachey and Eric all got hurt this year. I understand that. But come on. You got the ball down to the two somehow. And he still threw an interception. However, D, I don't remember exactly. It was all blur at that point. But I remember going to the Iowa-Purdue game. Cooper DeGene getting a pick, bring it all the way back to like the three. They kicked a field goal from the 18. Like, how does that happen? How is that acceptable at any level? And I love Kirk. 
Curse the greatest coach in the University of Iowa's history. I love Hayden Fry. Curse gave me a lot of good memories watching Iowa football. But it is painful to watch this offense. And the thing is, you can't even really say anything as a rival fan to try and irk Iowa fans because it's already been said. There's really nothing any Iowa State fan, Wisconsin fan, Nebraska fan, Minnesota fan could say to an Iowa fan to irk them because they've already said it. At least 90% of them. But again, there are stupid fans in every single fan base out there. Every single one. If you think your fan base is perfect, well, you got to dig a little deeper then. Because I know like Bill's Mafia seems like the best fans in football. There are some dickheads in Bill's Mafia, trust me. And you might include me in that too. <laughs> but good Lord, I, I just don't get it. I don't know why it took this long to finally bench Deacon Hill at 20 to nothing. Like, I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it at all. It's like... We're not even going to bring up like the fact he can't even get quarterback sneaks down. Like I would trust six foot one, two hundred fifty pound Brock Purdy to get one yard than I would Deacon Hill. who's built as a freaking offensive lineman. Can't throw. He can throw it hard, but he can't complete anything. Again, if he hits a receiver on his in his hands, they're so surprised he actually hit him there. They drop it every single freaking time. So he can't throw. Can't scramble. Again, we talk about him rolling out to the right and just completely dead stop in his tracks, get tackled from behind. Can't feel any pressure. Like against Michigan. I don't know how many times he stared down an offender before they freaking yammed him right in the face. He did that against Tennessee too. Maybe not to the same extent, but he did that against Tennessee too. Can't stop turning the ball over. Again, 11 fumbles, 7 interceptions. In what, however many games? How many games did he play? Kate McNamara got hurt against Michigan State. How many games post-Michigan State was that? You turn it over, what, 18 times? 11 fumbles, 7 interceptions. I, I, <laughs> I don't know how that... What? There's not anybody better. There's not anybody better. None. None out there. Like, Cooper DeGene was not a better option at quarterback. I remember when the Florida Gators brought out Jordan Reed, who's a tight end. I remember Kentucky brought out... Uh, uh, Bowden played quarterback. He was a wide receiver. That's Mark. That's, that's Mark Stoops right there. Iowa guy. Like I, I just don't get it. I, I don't get it at all. Like Iowa State's got a good thing going with Rocco Becht. Rocco Becht looks really good, really, really good. Especially for his first year as a starter. When Iowa State had this little expectations this year, and I just held up a zero. Forgot I wasn't looking at anybody. Zero expectations going into the season. Not a lot of Iowa State fans really liked Hunter Deckers anyways, but not a lot of people were also expecting Rocco Beck to look as good as he did this year. Not a lot of Iowa State fans were expecting Iowa State to be as good and as competitive as they were this year. And they were until the bowl game where they shut off for some reason. They were 10.5 point favorite against Memphis or 10 point favorite against Memphis. Like they looked bad. Rocco looked good. It's zero yards rushing. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to win when you don't have any running game. But then again, Iowa somehow won 10 games this year. Don't know how that happens. So you look at the state of Iowa this year in the poll game situation. Iowa State, they came back to a certain extent, lost by 10. Was it 26 to 36 or something? 
Iowa obviously lost by 35, but which bowl game was like, I don't know how you want to describe this. What bowl game was a bigger disappointment, I guess? Iowa, Iowa State's. And again, you look at both aspects of it. Iowa State was a 10-point favorite. But then you look at the grand scheme of things. No one expected Iowa State to be here, apart from some Iowa State fans. That some before the season may have called them delusional. The Iowa State would get to this point, and not only that, be in contention for a Big 12 title appearance. However realistic you want to say that was, they were still in the contention for that. Which is crazy to think about, given where expectations were the season started. I thought they were going to lose to freaking you and I. <laughs> they were going to four and eight. They had a much better season than that. If you want to talk about specifically bowl game, no one thought I was going to win. Maybe think it competitive, like closer to thirty five nothing. But I don't think a lot of people are expecting Iowa to win. I don't think there's a lot of people out there expecting them to win. So it's like a, you could look at it two different mentalities there. Like, as a team that went to a conference championship game, how do you lose 35-0 to a team that has a, a few players out and is starting a true freshman quarterback? How do you allow 35 points and score zero? Well, I know how you allow 35 points. How do you score zero? <laughs> the scoring zero had a direct impact with how many points they allowed. It's insane. So, I don't know. It was just a disappointing season for the end of the season-wise for the Iowa teams. You and I didn't even make the playoffs. You and I lost to freaking Missouri State second last week of the regular season. Crapped out their entire playoff chances. But Drake made the playoffs, which is kind of cool. Not kind of cool, it was cool. Didn't expect to see Drake in the playoffs this year. Especially after they lost to Northwestern, not that Northwestern, week two. Like, so is Drake the biggest winner here? <laughs> First time ever in the playoffs? Like, Iowa State's played more times at Liberty Bowl than Drake's ever been to the playoffs. <laughs> there's, there's, there's that for you. There's that uh, thought for you. Oh, man. I don't know. Look forward to the next year. And again, I say this all the time. Like you can, I can be as pessimistic, as optimistic as anybody out there. And if things are at their lowest, well, guess what? Like, did I want to sit down and watch Iowa lose to Tennessee? Did I think Iowa was going to win? No. I should have started off differently. <laughs> I was going to watch the Iowa game regardless. It didn't matter if I thought they were going to put up 35 points or get scored on by 30, 30, get beat by 35 points. It didn't matter. I was going to watch the game. That's the sud, st- stupid part about being a fan. Like, you're just going to watch regardless. I've said that a thousand times this season. No matter how many times your team upsets you or how pissed off you be at your team for a game, I get a game, you're still going to go down and watch it. And I watched that Iowa game. I watched every second of the Iowa game. I got frustrated as everybody else did. I got, I'm still frustrated now. But I watched it. And guess what? I'm going to watch week one next year. I'm going to watch week two next year. I'm probably going to bitch and moan at some more of that, that stuff too. That's what being a fan is. If you had an opinion on it, that's cool. I can call you stupid for having it. You can call me stupid for having my opinion on it. I don't care. That's a, the catch-22 of being a fan. Sucks. Absolutely sucks. <laughs> Absolutely sucks. And maybe you want to throw me in the bad fan category. I don't care. I really don't care. <laughs> At this point, no, I don't care. Man, let's go over to the national championship semifinal games. The Michigan versus Alabama game. Awesome game. Awesome game. Literally awesome. One of the best games. I, I Weirdly, 
And we said this game was going to be like this, not necessarily as exciting as it was, but this was around what our score prediction was for this game. It was an awesome game. I thoroughly enjoyed watching that game. I don't know what Michigan was doing at the end of the game, calling a timeout after kneeling it. It was doing. I remember Kirk had a saying a couple years ago where he was like, "You can't take the timeouts with you," so call, we're calling them all here. Like I don't understand that one though. When you're kneeling at the one yard line, you're just asking for a turnover there, or asking for something stupid to happen. JD McCarthy accidentally kneels in the end zone or something like that. I don't know. It's it, crazier things have happened. I watched Kirk Cousins when he was playing for the Redskins. Uh, kneel it down when he was supposed to spike it. <laughs> like, there's some crazy things that happen. I watched Phillip Rivers on a Monday Night Football fumble a snap, trying to go into overtime, trying to kneel it. And I think it was the Chiefs. They recovered the football. Like, cra- I've seen Josh Allen fumble the ball at the one-yard line against Minnesota Vikings, and the Vikings recover for a touchdown. Like, stupid things can happen at the one-yard line or close when you need, like, something super simple Something bad can always happen, so I don't get the whole calling a timeout situation. It just screams like something bad's going to happen. And obviously, nothing did, and Michigan ended up winning the game. But still, still, I, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it, even as a neutral. Stressed me out. And things started off stressful for Michigan, too, because J.D. McCarthy almost threw an interception first play of the freaking game. Like, <laughs> I did not expect that to happen either. I did not expect to see J.D. McCarthy, who rarely turns it over this year, we saw that going into the Iowa-Michigan game. If J.J. McCarthy is going to give you a chance to pick him off, you have to take advantage of that because he will never do it again. And the rest of this game, he never did it again. You maybe argue the tip pass that Roman Wilson caught later in the game. That could have been an interception. But Roman Wilson, great body control. And I think it's funny, like the tip got Michigan more yards. Because the tip slowed the ball down and pushed the ball up, so Roman Wilson had to readjust, and Malachi Moore, the safety, ran right past Roman Wilson, who would have made the tackle had it not gotten tipped in the first place. Like, just little things like that. That's why they always say football's a game of inches. Things like that can be massive turning points in the game. Who knows? Maybe they completely stall out after that. I don't know. We never know. What if he doesn't tip the ball? What happens? I don't know. Like the butterfly effect. Who the hell knows what could happen? What we do know is... Michigan won, and Michigan was the better team in this game. And Alabama, good team. Don't want to take anything away from Alabama. Jalen Milrow did not necessarily have his greatest game of all time. I don't think he looked bad. I don't think he looked bad at all. He ran the ball well until he fumbled it. And then he got the overtime play where the ball rolled him on the ground, and I don't know if he was going to swing it out to the running back or whatever, or he was going to fake to the running back. So running back motioned out, linebacker followed. They opened up somewhat of a hole, but the low snap – Screwed things up a little bit on the play. And maybe he scores. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But that was a few times in that game where the center got this ball low to Jalen Milrow. There was two on back-to-back plays earlier in the game where it was a low snap and screwed up everything Alabama tried to cook on offense. But, man, really fun game. J.D. McCarthy looked great. Like, really good. This was like for the people that were going – when we were going into this game, a lot of people out there that picked Alabama to win this game – we're going off the fact that Alabama will throw so much stuff at J.J. McCarthy. Their best offensive lineman is out injured, broke his leg obviously, leg, obviously, against Ohio State. They got Chris Braswell, Dallas Turner on the edges, two of the best edge rushers in all of college football. Dallas Turner, guaranteed first-rounder, as things stand right now. Chris Braswell looks like a first-rounder. You got arguably the best cornerback tandem in all of college football, Kool-Aid McKinstry and Terry and Arnold, Malachi Moore in the secondary. Like, Alabama is very good defensively. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I know. I was surprised when I saw that as well. So they were like, all the things are going to throw at McCarthy is going to overwhelm him. He's not going to be ready for it. 
He's the big area that was the massive question mark for Michigan going into the game for a lot of people because J.J. McCarthy sometimes doesn't need to be doing a whole lot. Like, look at the game against Penn State. He went seven for eight. Threw the ball eight times. He ran the ball eight times in that game. But when you're a multifaceted offense like that, sometimes you don't need your quarterback to do a whole lot, and sometimes you just need him to not turn the ball over, which J.J. McCarthy, again, did a very good job at not doing that this year. But for, even though J.J. McCarthy were, had games where he wasn't doing a whole lot, there were other games where he was making some ridiculous throws. Some ridiculous throws. The game against Michigan State, the game against Purdue, the game against Ohio State made some big throws in those games. Made some big throws in this one, too. Throw to Roman Wilson was awesome. The throw in the pitch back to him where he got hit by, I think, Dallas Turner down the, down the near sideline. Great throw. He's got the athleticism. He's obviously going to need to put on some weight, but this is a game for a lot of people out there that this could cement, and from what it seemed like he already was, from everything I've read, but this could cement him as a first-round draft pick. If he wasn't already. Again, I think he was. There were portions of the season where I didn't think that. Early on in the season, the game after, after the Bowling Green game, I didn't necessarily think that. But he built on performance. He had some rubber performances towards the end of the season, but for the most part, he looks like a first-round quarterback. He's going to need, again, to put on some weight. He's a very skinny quarterback, but he's got the arm. He's got the accuracy. He's got the decision-making down. Doesn't force the ball to it too much. Doesn't force the issue too much. He's got the athleticism. Very fast. Like, he could probably run a 4-4-40. He's very fast. But again, he doesn't need to do that all the time because you got Blake Corman, Donovan Edwards in the backfield. And Blake Corman, overtime, two rushes. Great vision on the, sec- on the second rush, which obviously got them the touchdown the win. Like, J.J. McCarthy, this was a great, great game. For everybody who doubted J.J. McCarthy going into this game, this was a game you needed to see from him, and he performed. Massive game. Massive game. And if, let's say, hypothetically, Jim Harbaugh does go to the NFL team he's linked with a lot, is the, the Las Vegas Raiders. Obviously, he has connections to the Chargers and the Bears, which played for him, who obviously have Matt Eberflus with Chicago. It looks like he's going to keep his job there, per reports, anyways. And L.A., they've been linked with him and uh, Eric Bieniemy from Washington. So far. Things can obviously change. Well, let's say he goes to Vegas. Mark Davis loves himself a splashy get. Splashy hire. Got John Gruden there on a $100 million contract when he hadn't coached in freaking years. From ESPN. Josh McDaniels sucks as a coach. Everybody knows that. Hired him anyways from New England. Sucked again. Shocker. <laughs> Who would have seen that coming? And maybe he keeps Antonio Pierce, but given his recent history with firing Rich Passaccia after they went to the freaking player, not firing, but not retaining Rich Passaccia after they went to the playoffs, after their season was dead and gone after the whole Gruen situation, I don't really expect Antonio Pierce to stay around. The way Mark Davis operates anyways, maybe he changed his mind. Maybe Antonio Pierce is that guy moving forward. But I would be shocked if he is. At this point in time, I would be shocked if he is. But hypothetically speaking, let's say Harbaugh goes up to Vegas. The Raiders right now have the 11th pick in the draft. They do not have a quarterback. Aiden O'Connell, fine. Like you look at the game against Kansas City. I don't think he completed a single pass the fourth quarter. Raiders won the game. Again, big reason why wins are in a quarterback stat. Jimmy Garoppolo, best, avail- best abilities availability. He's never available, and this year wasn't very good anyways. Jim Harbaugh goes up to Vegas. They drafted Jim McCarthy. And it'd be funny... J.J. McCarthy beats out Aiden O'Connell, <laughs> the quarterback he beat in the Big Ten Championship game, 
or Michigan beat in the Big Ten Championship game the season prior. That'd be kind of funny. It would be kind of funny. Not going to lie. Not going to lie. That could happen. That could very much happen. Jim Harbaugh has already stated J.J. McCarthy is the greatest quarterback in Michigan history. But he's, he played smart, though. Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback to play for Michigan. J.J. McCarthy's the greatest quarterback in Michigan history. The same thing for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. We've said that we said this when they won the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback in Chiefs history. Joe Montana is the greatest quarterback to ever play for the Chiefs. And we said that like a thousand times, so I wasn't sure if it was making sense. I was, I was trying to wrap my own head around it. That's the similar thing he said there. Because I wanted to keep reiterating what I was saying. I, de- I needed to make sure I, sa- I said everything correctly. But similar thing here. J.D. McCarthy, had, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, or a month ago, however long ago it was, that J.J. McCarthy definitely has a chance to become the greatest quarterback in Michigan history. And I think this win against Alabama, I think you can make a very solid argument that he is. And they get drafted in the first round, reunites with his coach up there. You look at the Cardinals, they have Cliff Kingsbury, draft Kyler Murray first overall. Like it happens. Tim Tebow retired from baseball and unretired from football to go play the Jaguars who had Urban Meyer. I'm going to go play tight end there. <laughs> it can happen. It can happen. Coaches love reuniting with their old college quarterbacks, especially when they did a lot of good stuff together. So if J.J. McCarthy goes pro, which is nothing's been announced yet, a lot of people seem it's a foregone conclusion at this point that he's going pro. If Michigan wins the national championship, I think it's a foregone conclusion that he's gone. What more does he need to do? He didn't need to do anything. He grew up an Ohio State fan, so it's not like he was a he always wanted to play for Michigan, always wanted to go to the Rose Bowl. I mean, he could have always wanted to go to the Rose Bowl, that's fair. He said he said as much yesterday. <laughs> I think every kid wants to play for the Rose play in the Rose Bowl. That's the biggest bowl game out there. Minus the cheese bowl and the Pop Tart Bowl. But that's another point. That's a completely different point here. But Jay McCarthy looks good. Jay McCarthy looks good. And what would suck, not suck, maybe. Minnesota Vikings with Kirk Cousins sit at 12. Kirk Cousins obviously going to come, maybe come back on a one-year contract. Justin Jefferson wants him to come back. He's obviously coming off Achilles injury. He's going to be older. You would think someone like Kevin O'Connell, offensive-minded coach, young offensive-minded head coach, would want his own quarterback eventually. J.J. McCarthy could be that guy that you just shuffle in there and have him learn for a year or two under Kirk and then take over the offense in a year or two after that. But if the Raiders take J.J. McCarthy 11... The Vikings probably don't draft a quarterback in the first round. If the Vikings don't draft a quarterback in the first round, they would look to the second round, in my opinion, and draft Michael Penix. That's if they don't get McCarthy. So Raiders draft McCarthy, Vikings go out and get Michael Penix. And Michael Penix, this is a great segue, just beat Texas, was part of a team that just beat Texas, had probably the best game of his college career. And again, I wish I stayed up for the entire thing. Again, I was tired. I did not say it for the entire thing. I tried my hardest. But to be 100% honest with you, I don't give a rat's ass about either Mich- or Wisconsin or, uh, geez, definitely not Wisconsin, Washington or Texas. But Michael Penix played awesome. Two touchdowns in this game. Two touchdowns in this game. One to Jalen Polk, one to Jalen McMillan. It's so nice to see Jalen McMillan back. It's so nice to see this receiving core back. Like Jalen Polk, we talked about before. Jalen Polk had a bit of yips for a little bit. Great receiver. Very good receiver. Just had a case of, you know, dropping the ball. <laughs> That's the best way you can put it. And McMillan's been hurt. Roman Dunze has been Roman Dunze. We know Roman Dunze. I saw a clip from Roman Dunze, and it's a Randy Moss technique. It's what they what it should be called. Where you flash your hands late. Because the defender, if they're chasing you, 
They're not playing the ball, looking for you to put your hands up, but then they make a play on the ball. Roman Dunze's quick, late hands get him a lot of catches. It is insane to see. It's the art of the wide receiver. Roman Dunze making plays like that. And I've said this a thousand times in the show this year. There's not a quarterback wide receiver tandem this year that is more in sync than Michael Penix and Roma Dunze. There's none out there that are even close to that amount of chemistry. And I'm including the likes of Jay and Daniels Millie Neighbors, who is elite combination. I'm not including yours and Adonai Mitchell or Xavier Worthy. I'm not including them. Bo Nix and Troy Franklin or Tez Johnson even. I'm not including those guys. No, it's Penix and Adunze. Back shoulder throw should not be as automatic as they are with Washington. They are automatic. <laughs> like it's insane how easy Washington does back shoulder throws. It is absolutely insane. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. And this game went pretty much, both these games went pretty much how we expected them to. Texas defense lines their strength. Washington's off the lines their strength. So Washington tried to run the ball. They did. They were committed to their game plan. They were going to run the ball. They ran the ball 31 times, got 102 yards. Solid-ish numbers. Dylan Johnson had 21 of those carries. Got hurt in the game late. But they were going to fight it. They were going to fight it. You have to have some sort of run game. You have to. It's it's required. You got to keep the defense somewhat honest. Because if you run the ball, that opens up a lot of plays in your offense for passing because the linebackers will suck in because you're running the ball. They're not going to play back if you're running the football. It's stupid. <laughs> Unless you believe... That much near D-line, but if you're Texas, it makes sense. Their D-line, again, is very, very good. You got potentially two first-round D-linemen on there, two defensive tackles there, and Sweat and Murphy. Like, you've got options there in the middle of that D-line. But Washington would try to run the ball with Dylan Johnson, and they back it up and hit one deep. Jalen Polk, Roma Dunze, like, they just go deep. Jalen Polk's touchdown was awesome. Awesome. Thread the freaking needle. Michael Penix looked awesome in this game. And if you just looked at what he was doing and what he did this entire season, I know we've talked about him having some not-so-great weeks these past couple weeks. Like, in the latter parts of the season, post the first Oregon game, didn't play the greatest in the latter parts of the season, which is why he lost the Heisman, for those of you who aren't aware. This was his best game. And he only threw two touchdowns, but this was his best game. Everything was working, pretty much. And if you just looked at what he was doing, he'd be a first-round draft pick. But there are three factors, which we have talked about before, but for those of you who are riding high on the Penix train, I understand why it's easy to do, especially at this point since he's played really well, just beat Texas, going to, this play, the, going to the final. Michael Penix is older. He is older. It's a fact. I say older. I'm still older than him. <laughs> he's injured. He hasn't been hurt a lot in two years. He hasn't been hurt in two years. But he blew up his knee twice. So there's that. There's going to be a lot of red flags there. And the third thing that could scare some teams, you'd, you'd not maybe not understand that this is a lot bigger deal than what some out there would think it is. He has a pretty slow throwing motion. Pretty slow. I'm not saying it's like slow as molasses or anything like that or like he's playing in quicksand, but it is not quick. And today's football and today's modern NFL, you need to have a quick release. So that will drop him. So regardless of the injuries, I do think his age and throwing speed would hinder him here. I think he's a very good player. I think he's a very good player. I think the second round would be a perfect spot for him, depending on how much teams wave their red flags around. 
And then Hooker dropped all the way to the third round, but that also comes with the fact that he was injured going into the draft. And Penix is better than Michael Hendon Hooker. And I liked Hendon Hooker a lot. Penix is better than Hendon Hooker. So those are the two, the three things you're going to have to look out for when it comes to Michael Penix. And Bo Nix will be something similar, just not the injuries. Bo Nix obviously did not put forth the best stuff at Auburn. And Oregon's offense, as we talked about before, and I hate saying it like this because it makes him sound stupid. He's not. But their offense is dumbed down. It's made easier for quarterbacks. A quick process. Now, he's got to be quick with it. I think if he went to a team like the Niners or the Dolphins, I think he'd be very good there because a lot of quick stuff. That's not me. Di- Before you say it, that's not me dissing their current stars. I'm just saying that the offense those teams run would be very good for Bo Nix's skill set. But Penix played great. Nix played well in the, the friggin' Fiesta Bowl, too. He had five touchdowns against Liberty. Game started off kind of fun, and then the game ended how pretty much everybody else thought it would. Uh, Oregon won, I think, 45-6, to six, I think was the final score there. LSU beat Wisconsin. Grant Nussmeyer, good game from him. I mean, Grant is a very solid quarterback. We saw him in the SEC Championship game against Georgia last year. Like, very solid quarterback. Not Jane Daniels, but solid quarterback. Jane Daniels, did not, uh, he obviously did not play in the bowl game. Do not blame him for that. And Nick's trying to break every single college passing record because he's played in so many freaking games. He's trying to make sure nobody can touch any of these records. But I think if the Vikings do not get J.J. McCarthy, J.J. McCarthy goes to the Raiders, they go after Penix. I think that's the next option for the Vikings. I think him and Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison would be very fun to see. Very fun to see. You could build more with J.J. McCarthy, with the athleticism. He's a little younger, too. He's arguably got a stronger arm, arguably. Again, he's not asked to do it as much as Michael Penix. As you see Michael Penix throwing the ball more. That's your other option. Knicks, I I mean, not saying it's a bad option. I think Knicks had a better, way better latter part of the season than Michael Penix did. I say way better. He had a better latter part of the season than Michael Penix did. But where would Knicks go? I feel like the Giants would be a good spot for him. So let's say the Giants go after one of the receivers. I don't tackle. I mean, we talked about that on Friday. Like tackle. They have Andrew Thomas, who's very solid. Just signed a massive contract extension this offseason. They got Evan Neal. Young tackle. Obviously had some frustrating moments with the Giants so far, but young tackle, enough to build around, at least have some sort of faith. And he just got drafted last year. He's going to have some growing pains, especially with the fans. <laughs> he went to Alabama. He's not used to losing a lot. And the Giants have not done a whole lot of winning this year. So he's going to get frustrated. He's going to call out the wrong people which are Giants fans. So if they go receiver, which I think is probably the option right now, and given the contract of Daniel Jones, I think it'd be wise to just go with a second or third round guy anyways. I think Bo Nix or Michael Pratt from Tulane, I think those are your best options. And we're not even clear. I even, t- uh, Cameron Ward from Washington State just announced he's going to the pro, going to the draft. Later round draft, Vikings, that could be another fun one, Cameron Ward. But, you know, we'll look at Michael Penix first. Because the Vikings, they're, they're going to have some weird contract situations coming up. And obviously, secondary is not great. <laughs> Once Byron Murphy's gone, or with the injuries right now, they kind of struggle with the cornerback position. Harrison Smith's not getting any younger. Daniel Hunter, contract situation there. Like you're going to have to figure some things out on defense. Keep, keep Brian Flores would be priority number one, though. we got to try and keep Brian Flores again. I don't know when he's going to get another head coaching opportunity. Could be this offseason. I don't know the way he turned around the Vikings defense. Makes a lot of sense. But we'll see. We'll see. 
But Michael Penix in the second round, if they don't get McCarthy in the first round, I think makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. Giants get Bo Nix. Pratt, or Bo no, Bo Nix Broncos, Pratt Giants. Um, Who else do we got? What other quarterback? Cameron Ward? Where would Cameron Ward go? I mean, Cardinals? No, that'd be, that's boring. I don't want to say Cardinals. Cameron Ward, Seattle? I, I'm not even just saying that because of the Washington State connection. I'm not saying just because of that, but he'd be fun to see in Seattle. But Geno Smith's getting older. Drew Locke's not the answer long-term, obviously. So maybe you go after there. I mean, people have – like, Dane Brugler's first mock draft to J.J. McCarthy going to the Seahawks. Like, the Seahawks taking a quarterback in this draft is not out of the ordinary. It's not something that should be seen, seen as completely strange or odd or whatever. shouldn't be seen as that. But we'll see. Cameron Ward to watch Seattle will be very fun. And then you got the top three guys, and that's Williams, May, Jane Daniels. Very interested to see where all those guys go. Because it all depends on what the Bears get. Because the Bears just locked up the number one overall pick, or the Panthers did. Lock up the normal pick for the Bears. What do they do? What do they do? They're saying they're apparently keeping Matt Eberflus. In good old-fashioned Bears style, it would make the most sense in the world now to get rid of Justin Fields. It makes the most sense in the world. You're keeping your head coach, so why not get rid of your quarterback now? Not get rid of both of them at the same time, but maybe that's what they're going to do. I don't know. Maybe they keep Justin Fields. I mean, Justin Fields has done a pretty good job at stay, wanting to st- say, like, hey, I'm going to stay. His teammates have backed him up on it. DJ Moore said it. I'm pretty sure Darnell Mooney said it as well. Caleb Williams, I guess, liked a tweet that said the Bears should draft Marvin Harrison. They said Marvin Harrison's got a good relationship with Fields. I don't know if that quote's real, but I saw it today, so we're saying it here. But do they go after Caleb Williams? And if they get Caleb Williams or one of the other quarterbacks, I'm not, I shouldn't just narrow it down to just Caleb Williams. Could go after one of the other guys. Get Roma Dunze at 10, which is where they currently sit. So you get one of the quarterbacks. Let's just say Caleb Williams for now. Get Roma Dunze at 10. We had that pairing in the mock draft that we did on Friday. Like, whoo, that'd be fun. I always like the idea of pairing a quarterback with wide receiver in the draft. I've said that a hundred times, but I like that idea. I really like that idea. But let's play this little game. Bears do draft Marvin Harrison Jr., but they trade back with Washington, who currently sits second. Trade back with Washington. Move back to two. Washington takes Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams from the D.C. area. They have a new owner. Going to have a new head coach. Get Caleb Williams in. So you have your D.C. kid there. Patriots draft Drake May. Cardinals are out of Marvin Harrison Jr. So where do they go? Do they go Malik Neighbors? Do they go Olufashanu? Do they go Joe Alt? Jonathan Gannon said as much today that they're sticking with Kyler Murray. Number one's their guy is what he said today. Which, obviously, that's pretty much been the case. <coughs> Jeez. Since uh, Clayton Toon got named starter in Arizona, around that time when Josh Dobbs got traded, that was around the time where it's kind of like, okay, they're going with uh, they're going with Kyler Murray. And if with Kyler Murray, do they go after Malik Neighbors? Who knows? If they go after a tackle again, they drafted Paris Johnson last year. They go after another tackle to pair with Paris Johnson. DJ Humphrey's not getting any younger at tackle, so might as well try to do that. You have no real weapons outside. I mean, Marquise Brown even said he traded himself in fantasy, not for himself. He traded himself. So who knows? Who knows? The Cardinals' ideal situation is obviously the quarterbacks go for one through three, which happened before. Most recently, 2021 with Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance. That draft's not looking great as time goes on. <laughs> like, the guy the guy we're actually looking at right now as being the best quote-unquote quarterback in that draft is Justin Fields. We're not even sure he's going to play for this team next year. Like, that's how crazy this <laughs> the draft has been so far. 
And then you got, obviously, the 99 draft, Tim Couch, Donovan McNabb, Achilles Smith. Then you got the 71 draft. I think it's 71, Plunkett, Archie Manning, and uh, Dan Pastorini. I think it's 71. It could be 70. I don't remember. But you've, you've seen it before. So maybe it happens here. Caleb Williams, Jane Daniels, Drake Mayer, whatever the order you want it to be is. I just like envisioning Jane Daniels playing Washington. Drake May, I, I just can't. I'd see all these mantras, Jane Daniels going to New England. I just can't see it. I know they're going to probably get a new head coach this offseason. At least that's what reports are suggesting. But I just can't. I don't know. I just can't picture it. So if Jane, if Caleb Williams does go to Washington, Drake May will go to New England. Jane Daniels, does he go to New York with the Giants? Or does he go to Atlanta? Does he go to, like, New Orleans? Does he go there to replace Derek Carr eventually? Like, where does Jane Daniels go? Like, the Giants and the freaking uh, Falcons at 10, no, 9 right now. The Falcons at 9 would be the next options for Jane Daniels. Or, spin zone, they draft <laughs> they draft Marvin Harrison and they draft Jane Daniels at 10. Or trade back up to draft Jane Daniels. How insane would that be? How insane would that be? Like, they draft Marvin Harrison, Bears fans celebrate because they think they're getting Justin Fields again, and then they draft Jane Daniels at 10. <laughs> oh, that would dull, put Chicago into complete and utter chaos. Complete chaos. Both good and bad. I think Jane Daniels is a very, 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 very good football player. I mean, we racks lyrically about Jane Daniels for months now. I mean, for years now. For years now. We talked about when he was on Arizona State on this channel. But, man... The draft's getting closer. She's so getting a lot of like odd takes now. Getting a lot of very odd takes. I saw one. It was Shannon Sharp saying the Falcons trade the tenth overall pick or a first round pick for Justin Fields. That ain't happening. You cannot justify anything Justin Fields is now has done now would say that's a first round draft pick. You can't. Especially top ten pick, ninth pick. I keep saying tenth pick, ninth pick. They had the tenth pick before this weekend. Ninth pick in the draft. There's no way you can justify that. No way you can justify that. So you're looking at probably a second and a fourth for Justin Fields at this point. Maybe second and fifth and the Bears throwing a fourth. I don't, or seventh or something, not fourth. They're not going to trade the same thing. They're going to trade like second and a fourth and a sixth Justin, or Justin Fields in a sixth. That's probably what the trade would look like. Or maybe a player, maybe a player. You can't trade a first round draft pick for Justin Fields at this point. He's done nothing to warrant that. But the other one that I want to, <laughs> I saw this one today. I saw the Shannon Sharp thing a couple days ago. I saw this one today. Michael Irvin, and again, we get a lot of odd takes about these about the draft. Michael Irvin compared Michael Penix, you know, the guy from Washington, who can move, who can move. We have 31 rushing yards in the game against against Texas, good, good amount of yards. Now gotten his total up to 13 yards on the season, three touchdowns. I, like, I do like how they ran him more towards the end of the season. I do like how they did that. The designed runs, too. It wasn't just him scrambling. He made some very nice scrambles in the latter parts of the season, but there were some designed runs in there from Michael Penix, too. But despite that, despite Michael Penix now being above zero yards rushing for the season, which congratulations, by the way, Michael Irvin decided to compare Michael Penix to a certain other Michael whose last name happens to be Vic. Michael Vic. Compared to Michael Penix, where does that comparison like the buck stops at black and left-handed? That's where it stops. Where else are the comparisons? Michael Vick is a stronger arm than Penix. Michael Vick is way more athletic than Michael Penix. Michael Vick never had any major injuries in college that I can remember, anyways. Like, where's the comparison here? It makes zero sense. Michael Penix is bigger than Michael Vick. 
There's zero things that compare these two. Michael, Michael Penix is more accurate than Vic. There's other, other there's nothing that compares to them except that they're black and left-handed. There's nothing that. And the only quarterbacks you're going to see Michael Penix compared to this entire offseason is going to be left-handed quarterbacks. And Tua is going to be the main one. And Michael Penix has a better arm than Tua. So it's, it's uh, you're going to get a lot of odd comparisons this offseason. I saw one today, which I'd never seen before. It was Matt Miller, who now works for ESPN, used to be Bleacher Reports guy, compared Kyle Trask to Josh Allen. As someone who liked Kyle Trask at Florida, that is one of the most insane comparisons ever. Kyle Trask is got negative mobility, let alone Josh Allen level ability, who is now second all time in NFL history for rushing touchdowns by a quarterback behind Cam Newton. Now he's a decent ways behind Cam Newton, but he's still there. Josh Allen, I think, now has 52 rushing yard rushing touchdowns this season. 50 or 52, I can't remember. I can't remember if the total I saw added in the two that he had this weekend or not, but 50 or 52, Cam Newton has 75. Kyle Trask is not mobile at all. Kyle Trask had a decent arm. I wouldn't even necessarily call it that strong of an arm. Well, at Florida, Josh Allen has the strongest arm in the NFL. The only arm that's arguably better than his in regards to just pure speed, accuracy negatively affected, is Deacon Hill. Other than that, I don't think there's any quarterback in the world that has a stronger arm than Josh Allen. I think it's just Deacon Hill and Josh Allen. That's it. That's the list. But man, you're going to get some weird, odd takes going towards the draft. Odd takes. I'm intrigued to see what the opinions are about the receivers because this class is deep. This is a very good receiving class. Just like off the top of my head, you got Harrison, you got Neighbors, you got Adunze, you got Keon Coleman from Florida State, Brian Thomas from the LSU, the other LSU receiver, very good receiver. The Texas guys, Adonai Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, you got Emeka Buka from Ohio State, people kind of forget about him. Then you've got uh, Xavier Leggett from South Carolina, another very good option. Tez Walker from North Carolina is another option. Troy Franklin from Oregon we brought up earlier. Like, there's a lot of very good wideers. That's 11 receivers I just thought off the top of my head. There are some good-ass receivers in this draft class. It is insane. After coming off some shaky years, we are back into, man, this is probably the deepest review class of all time. <laughs> we do that. We do that. See, there's a stretch where it felt like every single year it was the deepest receiving class of all time. That's what it felt like. For a certain amount of time, like, this is a good class, though. This running back class is not seen as so deep. Now, you can get a good running back. I, I don't know where Blake Corn will go. He'll probably be the first one off the board. I don't know where Blake Corn will go. Maybe late second. But it's not a great year for running backs. But we still got some decent options there too. Like Donovan Edwards from Michigan may not have the had the best year ever, given how his expectations were before the season started. But he could be a decent option. I don't know if he's going to come back or not to be the main focal guy in Michigan's offense. Who knows? But we'll see about that. Then you've got. Trey Benson from Florida State. You've got Jonathan Brooks from Texas. If he wants to come out, I know he just tore his ACL, but you never know. Maybe he wants to come back. you got Braylon Allen from Wisconsin. you got Travion Henderson from Ohio State. You've got oh – jeez, I'm, I'm trying to show my ball knowledge here. <laughs> I'm trying to think of these off the top of my head. Uh, I need to do more work on the running backs. I guess I can't – I'm completely blanking now. Come on, give me one more. Um – Wow, I am completely blanking on running backs right now. Trevor Etienne just transferred to Georgia. He's at Flo- He was at Florida. Very good running back at Florida. 
Uh, Marshawn Lloyd from USC. There's another, there's another one for you. Uh, Bucky Irving from Oregon. There's another one for you. Look at that. We'll start without him again. But, uh, yeah, it's not the greatest running back class of all time, but you can still get some decent options there. It's a lot of the best running backs in the NFL are late-round draft picks, or late-er-round draft picks, not necessarily first-round draft picks. Like, Leonard Fournette's first-round draft pick. He's a backup to a second-round draft pick in James Cook. Like, <laughs> Leonard Fournette was a fourth overall pick. I know he's a little older now, too, but – and Latavius Murray, I'm not even sure what round he was drafted. He probably was a fourth-round draft pick or something like that. I know he went to UCF, but that's about all I know about Latavius Murray, about what he was before the NFL. Very good option, though. But, man, that's a good segue to talk about uh, the Bills. So the Bills beat the Patriots this weekend. And not an easy game. I wasn't really expecting a whole lot from that game. I mean, it's a game where they lost already this year. So my expectations were not necessarily sky-high for a team that should absolutely blow the brakes up. Like, should they have? Yeah, but <laughs> again, no one was really expecting the Bills to absolutely blitz them. No, no one really was doing that. And the Patriots, they're going to play tough defensively. Offensively, they are anemic as hell. I don't know what the hell happened there. Well, I do know what happened there, but they're bad offensively. And they proved that. Bailey Zappi had three interceptions. They fumbled another time. They had four turnovers the first half, basically in the first quarter. Like We were two interceptions away from a Nathan Peterman half. And I thought it was funny they kept showing Mac Jones on the sideline. Every interception Bailey's happy threw, it was Mac Jones on the sideline. And I was sitting there, I was with my dad and my sister. I was sitting there, I was like, Mac Jones nor Bailey Zappi are the future of this franchise. Why would the Patriots bench Bailey Zappi now? They have nothing to gain from playing Mac Jones again. If anything, they'd probably rather lose this game, but it would be fun to beat your division rival and keep them out of the playoffs, potentially. I know it wouldn't have confirmed anything, but you could potentially have kept them out of the playoffs. And who knows, the Bills could keep themselves out of the playoffs this week. We're going to obviously... Knock on wood for that, but like, there's nothing to gain out of benching Bailey Zappi at that point. He could have thrown eight interceptions that game. I don't think they would have benched him. There's zero point of doing that. Made zero sense. You'll see their quarterback next year. They're going to have a completely different guy next year. Drake May might not even wear number 10. They might even just take him from Mac Jones. They might not even trade him. They just say, Mac Jones, you're not number three. Like, I don't want to wear number three. Guess what? You're wearing number three. Ugh, who wears number three? Yeah, nobody. <laughs> Quinn Ewers, and that's it. No one else wears number three. Oh, Quinn Ewers also had a he also had a solid game. I wouldn't take anything away from Quinn Ewers. I know we talked about Michael Bennett. Quinn Ewers played well. He had a solid game, especially running the ball too. But that's beside the point. We're back to the NFL. But I don't think the Bills played very well, and I knew that was I knew they weren't going to play very well. <laughs> we said that going into the Chargers game. Like every time we talk about the Chargers game, there's no way they're going to lose this game, right? But everything was like the interim coach, interim D coordinator, new quarterback, and the only game film you have on any of them. Not even, I guess not even the coaches, but the quarterback is the Raiders game where they got beat like 63-21. You're not going to get a whole lot out of that game in regards to a scouting report. So there was a little bit of me that was like, they're probably going to lose this game. Patriots game, they've already lost this game. In a way worse situation than I thought they were. Like the Patriots got blitzed by the Saints 34 to nothing. Like I was not expect. I was expecting the Bills to go in there and beat them by 50. Like they beat the Dolphins forty to twenty. Why was I? Why would I be sitting there going like, "Oh yeah, they'll lose to the Patriots," <laughs> and Oliver didn't even play in that game because they were like, "Ah, oh, it's the Patriots." And Ed Oliver got an interception this game. Ed Oliver's had a fantastic year. Ed Oliver's played awesome. Daquan Jones was back, massive get back for the Bills. Von Miller was scratched. I was shocked they had the balls to do that. I was shocked. Von Miller's been a passenger at best this season. I understand why he's older. He's towards ACL, so I'm not like expecting the world from him. But it's just at this point, they're kind of just wasting a roster spot, keeping Von Miller on the active roster. Like, he's providing nothing apart from Von Miller. That is it. 
And like a guy whose entire career in playing styles built off speed, coming at 34 years old, coming off a torn ACL, it's going to be a little bit before he gets fully back to that speed, if ever. But if he's good for the playoffs, then fine. But I don't even I don't even know if they'd play him this week against Miami. We'll have to wait and see on that. Given Miami's injuries, they might. But we'll talk about that game shortly. But Ed Oliver with an interception. Uh, Rasul Douglas had two interceptions in the game. Pick six being one of them. Uh, Benford had an interception in this game as well. So had a very solid year. The Bills cornerback pairing is very good this year. And Trey White's going to be back next year, which makes things very interesting. Taron Johnson did not get an interception in this game. Benford also forced the fumble too. Very good week for him. He recovered the fumble too. So it's a been a, or I, I said four interceptions. No, Benford just recovered the fumble. He didn't get an interception. No, Rasul Douglas got two. Ed Oliver got one. But Benford got the fumble. But it was just a defensively it was fun early on. Kick return to open up the game was not that awesome. Did not like that. That's <laughs> not. That's probably one of my least favorite ways to start a game, especially against the Patriots. And Josh Allen did not play good. Not play good. I understand it was a little windy and it was a little cold. I, I just didn't say it was windy. I don't know. I just know it was a little cold. And it looked gross outside, so I'm just assuming it was windy. <laughs> but he didn't play very good. A lot of drops in the game as well. The offense just didn't play very good. They didn't. They got gifted some short fields, and they took advantage of them for most of the time. But, yeah, not great. Not great. I. I it's going to be – it's odd. We're at a very odd time right now because I still think Josh Allen is the MVP, especially if the Bills win the division this week which they can't. If they beat the Dolphins and win the division, get the two seed. If they do that, I think you can. But with Lamar Jackson throwing five touchdowns against Miami and having yet another person perfect pass rating against the Dolphins, like, he's had three perfect pass rating games in his career. Two of them are against Miami. The third one might be against Miami. I just know two for a fact are against Miami. <laughs> like, that's the game that's like, I'm pretty sure they went in that game. John Harbaugh said, we're getting you the MVP. That was what, that was what the game plan was. And they destroyed the Dolphins. But Josh Allen, he had another great game against the Dolphins, too. He had four touchdowns in that game, too, over 300 yards passing. So, like, it doesn't take a whole lot to beat the Dolphins. <laughs> I mean, the Dolphins beat two over five, two teams above 500 the past two years. Now I'm going to completely jinx that. But still, the Ravens looked really good. That was my favorite game of the weekend by far. Ravens absolutely destroyed them. That was beautiful. Everything about it was beautiful. Everything. Isaiah Likely was awesome in that game. He had two catches, two touchdowns. <laughs> Love it. Odell Beckham made a great catch along the sideline. Great throw from Lamar as well. Zay Flowers got a touchdown in the game. Like, it was just a very good game. Very, it was beautiful. All around was very good. I do feel bad for the Dolphins, though. Bradley Chubb tore his ACL in one of the last drives of the game, which is never good to see. Two attack of Iola hurt his shoulder, which is not great. Uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle have obviously bat been battling some lower body injuries so far this season, so that's not ideal for them either. So, we'll see what happens. Their old line's been injured to hell and back all season as well. Xavier Howard, I think, is out for the game against the Bills, too, along with Bradley Chubb. So, there's a few injuries in there, but I love that Ravens. Everything else about that Ravens-Dolphins game was beautiful. And it made it better since I was watching the Bills-Patriots game that was not very fun to watch. Bills won again. I think it was 27-21 was the final. But it's just not. It wasn't great. It wasn't great. Josh Allen had an interception. No passing touch for the first time in... 12 games, I think, that he has not had a passing and rushing touchdown in the game. Which, just thinking about that for a little bit. This is his first time in 12, 11 or 12 games that he has not had a passing and a rushing touchdown in the game. And Lamar's five passing touchdowns in the game. 
are very impressive. I don't want to take anything away from Lamar Jackson. I love Lamar Jackson. Every, if you listen to the show long enough, Lamar Jackson is my number two quarterback right behind Josh Allen in regards to my favorites in the league. We had defended Lamar Jackson a bajillion times in this, in this show, and he looked very quarterbacky this weekend against the Miami Dolphins. But that being said, those five touchdowns for Lamar Jackson. So what was he? He was 16 behind Josh Allen going into this game. With Josh Allen's two, brings it to 18. Then you add the five from Lamar, he is still 13 touchdowns behind Josh Allen with, what, four or five less turnovers? But he's on the best team in football right now. So if you want to vote like that, that's fine. But you got to give it to the boy, (laughs) Josh Allen. (laughs) I know, again, he didn't have the greatest game. He He played pretty bad against the Luka Patriots on Sunday. But, hey, Lamar lost to the Steelers, so I'll t- <laughs> I, I don't want to bash Lamar. I really don't want to bash Lamar because I, I, I don't like bashing people I, I actually really love watching. Like, I, I'll never forget this offseason. We talked about it before, but we had him at number four quarterback on my list in preseason for the quarterback rankings. I got crazy looks. Lamar Jackson's number three. I, I, I was talking to my dad about this. I don't care how bad of a season Patrick Mahomes has. It's going to take a lot. For me to say Patrick Mahomes is not the best quarterback in the NFL. It's going to take a lot. I'm going to need like a few years of him playing bad. To say Patrick Mahomes is not the best quarterback in the NFL. It'll take a little bit. It'll take a decent amount. But if I had to rank it off there of everything, I would say it goes Mahomes, Allen, Lamar. And if we were going outside of that, then we get a little murkier. Like, my top five, like, the only thing I'd change in my top five then would be Burrow four and Herbert five. That just moves Burrow down one. Like, I don't really have an issue with my top five from the start of the season. There's some people that Jalen Hurts in number two. I think a lot of people are thinking a little differently about that thing right about now. And I, I can't really drop Burrow and Herbert down anymore because they're both hurt. They're both out for the season. So I can't really sit here and go like, oh, they've been asked this year. I don't think necessarily they were amazing this year, but I can't drop the good. See, like, I know Purdy's had a very good statistical year, but do I actually think he's better than Herbert and Burrow? No. He's had a better year, but altogether, I do not think he's better than Burrow or Justin Herbert. It's crazy to think about that. But I think you put Purdy in the top 10. Then you put, like, probably Matt Stafford in the top 10. You put Dak Prescott in the top 10. Kirk was on his way to having a top 10 season before he tore his Achilles. So who, who we got? Okay. I'm just going to do this off the top of my, I'm not, I don't have a list ready or anything. And this is not necessarily the order. This is what way I'm thinking of it right now. So Mahomes, Allen, Lamar, Burrow, Herbert. Again, this is just off. I'm just thinking of Purdy, Dak, Matt Stafford, Jalen Hurts, do I still keep him in the top 10? I mean, they're talking about benching him. I saw they were talking about uh, A.J. Brown's got a lot of drama his way right now. So we'll see about that. Um, I'm trying. Oh, Tua. Tua's probably Tua's in there. So there's nine quarterbacks right now. Is there anybody that would displace, that I'm completely forgetting about, that would displace Jalen Hurts at this point in time? Like Kirk? When I say Kirk's better than Jalen Hurts, I don't know. Like I know there's going to be some people out there like, well, you defended Herbert and Burrow for being hurt, but not Kirk. Well, I think Burrow and Herbert are both better than Kirk anyway, so that's the difference. I think I had them both higher than Jalen Hurts regardless. I didn't have Jalen Hurts above Jalen uh, above Kirk. I didn't have Kirk Cousins above Jalen Hurts before this starts. So this is where the difficulty is. I already had Burrow and Herbert above him. So 
that's where it's a little different. Um, I'll pro- I'll keep Kurt- I'll keep uh, Jalen in. So out of the preseason ones, what else did I? Who else did I have in the top ten? I had Trevor Lawrence in. He's not in the top ten anymore. I had. Was that the only one that I had in? Kirk obviously was in there. Jared Goff, you can make a case for him being top ten this year. You can make a very strong case for him. Baker, you can make a case for Baker right now, which is insane. Never thought we'd be saying that. Was that it? Is it just Kirk and Jer- Trevor Lawrence that we had in the preseason that I don't have in the list anymore? I'm trying to think of anybody else I would have had. So that would have played. I had didn't have Purdy in there. I know that. I didn't have Tua. Who did I have at a? Okay, I gotta go look at my list. I don't remember who all I had. I remember my top six. I know the top six. Oh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers dropped off. So I had Aaron Rodgers, I think at eight. And that's what I had him at. TLA staff quarterback rankings. Yeah, I had Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Lamar, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Dak. That was my top ten. I know it was fair going into the season. Trevor Lawrence has dropped off completely. He's been the worst so far. Out of everybody in that top ten, Trevor Lawrence has been the worst. And then Aaron Rodgers played four plays. Kirk Cousins towards Achilles. Herbert and uh, Burrow have both been out. Burrow's pretty much been hurt all year. <laughs> he finally just, his body just gave up on him later. Then what was the top ten, the combined top ten? The combined top ten was Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Hurts, Herbert, Lamar, Rodgers, Lawrence, Kirk, and Dak. And then Matt Stafford was 11. And Derek Carr was 12. One person over Derek Carr. Uh, Deshaun Watson was 13. Geno was 14 with Jared Goff. Jimmy Garoppolo and Justin Fields were 15. Kyler Murray, Tua, and Daniel Jones were 16th each with one vote. And then Purdy, Russell Wilson, and Caleb Williams all got honorable mention votes. <laughs> Out of the quarterbacks on here, who would be the farthest from? I mean, Garoppolo probably is the farthest from the top 10. Derek Carr has had a shit-ass year, too. <laughs> Uh, probably those two, Jimmy and Derek Carr, farthest away from the top 10. Deshaun, Deshaun's not been anywhere near a top 10 quarterback this year. And then Daniel Jones, nowhere near. And Justin Fields, I mean, you'd have to say it, right? I mean, they we've been talking about them getting them replacing him this entire season. So I think he's another one. Russell Wilson's had a solid year. But yeah, I'd probably in no order, Mahomes, Allen, Lamar, Burrow, Herbert, Purdy, Dak, Stafford, Tua, and Jalen. That'd probably be my top ten right now. And not again, the 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 five the six through ten is not in any order. But that's probably what you're looking at for your top ten quarterbacks. At least that's what I'd say right now. And that if I did actually more research into that and actually came up with a formative list, maybe I would change some things up in that, but that's how I'm looking at it now. Jo- Jordan Love has a case for it. Jordan Love, after this game against the Vikings, set his numbers right now are better than any Bears quarterback's individual season ever. <laughs> That's it. Jordan Love has had a better season than every Bears quarterback in Bears history. And I think it's funny. We've been sitting here like acting like Jordan Love is, oh, we're not sure about Jordan. Like, he's in his first year as a starter. Like, and he's got this insanely young receiving core. Like, Romeo Dobbs is the guy in that receiving core. He got drafted last year, and he was like a fourth or fifth-round draft pick. Romeo Dobbs was a beast at Nevada, though. Beast at Nevada. Obviously, Christian Watson, he's battled a bunch of injuries this year. Jane Reed's been solid for Michigan State. You got two young tight ends in Tucker Craft and uh, Luke Musgrave. Completely forgot about him. I was trying to remember what his name was. Like, you're just so young. 
Insanely young. Like Aaron Jones is your oldest guy on offense probably. David Bakhtiari, but he's hurt all the freaking time. you got a, such a young offense. And people are actually sitting there like, I don't know. what He's got a team that's as young. <laughs> that's young. The entire team is younger than me, <laughs> pretty much. I give the guy some time. I remember Adam Shine before the season started said Jordan Love can't play football. We said that was stupid at the time. It's stupider now. Good Lord. I have nothing for the Packers or against the Packers, whatever. But those takes about Jordan Love before the season started or even during the season were freaking stupid. And even like or hate Jordan Love, it doesn't matter to me. But those the takes around him were ridiculous. In his first year as a starter, he's replacing Aaron Rodgers. He's following Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. Like, let's say... This is one of the hardest things to do in the NFL. You're following up two Hall of Fame quarterbacks who want to combine, what, eight MVPs? Yeah, it's going to take a little time for him and his receiver core that's an average age of 18. That's not accurate, but it's funnier. We'll have to wait and see. And right now, it's looking pretty damn solid right now. The Packers are fighting for a playoff spot this week against the Bears. Bears-Packers, one of the best rivalries in football, the oldest rivalry in football. It's been important. Most of that rivalry in the 21st century has not been ultra competitive because the Bears have been pretty ass. The Packers have been, you know, fairly solid since we've been alive. But man, fun stuff. Fun, fun stuff. I'm intrigued to see what the Bears do after this week. Like, it was funny. The Bears were still mathematically alive until after the Packers Vikings game because they need, if the Packers and Vikings tied, the Bears were still in the hunt. But if one of those teams won, which the Packers unanimously won that game. Because the Vikings quarterback situation is a freaking mess. So <laughs> they have no idea what's going on there. And they're competing for a playoff spot technically. I think they're still technically alive. I guess the freaking Lions this week. So we'll see. We've got some interesting stuff going on. Very interesting stuff. Jarrett Stim's going to start again for the Denver Broncos, which is crazy, which is very funny to think about. Especially the Broncos. Now they, I think they did they technically get eliminated now? Are they technically eliminated? Yeah, they're eliminated now. So the remaining spots in the AFC are the Bills, Steelers, Colts, Texans, and Jaguars. Which, Colts and Texans, one of those teams will be 10-7. and 7, Which, I mean, they could tie. Could tie. But, in reality, one of those teams is going to be 10-7. and 7. Who the hell thought that before the season started? Not I. Certainly not I. Especially with two young quarterbacks. And the Colts have even done this with Andy Richardson. They've done it with freaking Gardner Minshew. Jonathan Taylor's been out for a lot of the season. <laughs> it's been Zach Moss. And the Texans had Case Keenum starting a couple games. I saw Peter King said the Jaguars win 13 or 14 games before the season started. They're competing with teams that we thought were going to be picking the top five this year. <laughs> for the playoffs, but not only the playoffs, but division title. Man. And the crazy thing, the Bills, like, after that Broncos game, it was like scorched earth. We were not happy. And now we're sitting here on December, on January 2nd, 2024. And the Bills, if they win this week, win the division, which is insane. And they get the two seed. So you got the one seed locked up with this, the Ravens. You got the three seed locked up with the Chiefs because they won the division with the win against the Bengals, which is great. I had to keep convincing my dad or reminding my dad that, hey, we need the Chiefs to beat the Bengals this week. You need to stop laughing at the Chiefs every time they do something stupid or funny. Because I want to laugh at it too. But we got it. We need them to win. I saw some Chiefs fans say Rasheed Rice is better than Puka Nakua, who has, I think, broken the record for receiving yards this season by a rookie receiver. If Rasheed Rice is better than Puka Nakua, then I need to hear stop hearing people on Twitter complain that Patrick Mahomes has no help. 
Rasheed Rice is better than a guy who's about to break the record or has the record for most receiving yards of the season by a rookie. Then we got we have some serious conversations to start. <laughs> MBS though on Sunday, telling Patrick Mahomes where to put the ball. Duke could go do one. Seriously. That that's so stupid. MVS has the least amount of room to talk to anybody this season. Like, he's the Bill, he's the Chiefs Gabe Davis. That's pretty much what it is. But Gabe Davis, I do think, is better than MVS. But that's not, that's neither here nor there. We'll see what happens the rest of this offseason. Man, let's play out. We got some playoff matchups to worry about this week. The NFC, the Vikings and Packers are both still alive. The Bucks, Saints, and Falcons are still competing for the NFC South title. Be very nice to see the freaking Falcons win this division since that was my preseason prediction. But at this point, I don't really want them because they're so cancer to watch. And the Seahawks are still competing for a playoff spot as well. And then games we got this weekend. Again, some close, tight-knit games. We got no Thursday night game this week, but we got two Saturday games. We got the Steelers and Ravens. Backup Ravens, one would presume. And the Texans and Colts. Ravens, if you beat the Steelers, that would make my day on Sunday a whole lot less stressful. Let's just put it like that. And then we got the... Chiefs and the Chargers, because if the, if the, what do you call it? The Ravens beat the Steelers, Steelers eliminated, Texans, Colts, one of them's going to have 10 wins, so they'll make it. Jaguars play the Titans, so if they lose, then they're out. So, or they go to the 8th seed. I don't remember how it all works out, but the Steelers lose, the Bills are in. As far as I know, but just take care of what you can and win. I don't want to play that game, just win the freaking game. And then we got... Uh, the noon games, we got Brown Steelers, we got Vikings, Lions, Jaguars, Titans, Jets, Patriots, we got Falcons, Saints, and Bucks, Panthers in the 325 games. We got Chiefs and Chargers. We have got the Bears, Packers, Broncos, Raiders, Eagles, Giants, Seahawks, Cardinals, Rams, Niners, Cowboys, Commanders, and the Bills, Dolphins, Sunday Night Football. The Bills are a three point favorite right now. Three point favorite. Dolphins got a lot of injuries right now, but hey. I'm not going to look past any game this year. Again, as we've said, we're week to week. I'm not going to say anything about the Bills dominating the game, winning a game, losing a game. I don't care. I am fearful for every game, but if they win, that would be freaking awesome. Given where we were at the point by portions of the season, to go and do, hey, they can win a division title, which I think will be the fourth time in a row, I think. It'd be pretty crazy. It'd be absolutely insane. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But again, games kick off Saturday. The national championship is again on Monday. Do I have anything else I really want to talk about? Oh, I won my fantasy league. One of the fantasy leagues I'm in. The other one's two weeks game. So I got my money. That's what helped me purchase the couch. Awesome stuff there. And the other league that I'm in, Andrew, Jared, and Noah's neighborhood league, I am up by 60 points. So if I lose that, there's going to be some problems. But knock on wood, we hold on to that one. I get money from that one too. So again, I'd be a two-time champ in that league which is three times. I've been in the league for three years, two-time champ. My second league that I'm in that I've won the championship two times. The other league I was in, where I played T-Boy in the championship, that was my first year in the league. Got the money today. Sweet. So, yeah, we got some good stuff going there. Oh, the <laughs> the Florida State fans on Twitter saying they would have beat Bama or would have beat Michigan after getting blasted by 60 points against Georgia. I understand you had some opt-outs because you guys are a bunch of uh, crybaby pussies, but... That's <laughs> they, eh, we ain't been national champion. So remember when we said the joke on Friday where that game was going to happen? It pretty much didn't happen. Might as well not have happened. Terrible game to watch. Funny though, but to see all them talk about oh their quarterback threw as many yards as Jalen Milrow or more yards as Jalen Milrow despite being losing by sixty points and also completing nine passes the entire game, like they just need to get off it. I don't understand how it's. I don't know what gotten over them. I understand you went 13-0. I understand it's sad that you didn't make it. But, hey, 
George is the reason you're not in, and George is the reason why you also got beat by 60 points. Because if Georgia beat Alabama, we wouldn't even have a conversation. We would have seen Michigan versus Washington. We've seen Georgia versus Florida State. And we already saw Florida versus, or Georgia versus Florida State. And now we're getting Michigan versus Washington. So it all worked out in a weird, long, roundabout way. We were getting it all figured out. We are getting it all figured out. What else do I got on here? What else do I got on here? Uh, oh, it's official. I hate these accounts on Twitter. These verified accounts, these like fake sports um, reporter accounts. It's official. Michael Penix is the biggest Heisman stump in college football history. The voters really chose a QB off a 9-3 team over a 13-0 team. Well, yeah, because it's not a team award. It's an individual award. But I'm glad people are starting to remember that now. Undefeated CFP team that just, beca- just because one happened to play in the SEC. No, that had nothing to do with it. It just had that he had a, a lot more touchdowns, a lot more total yards, and <laughs> had a better season than Michael Penix did, especially in the latter parts of the season where Michael Penix beat Arizona State 15-7. But that's neither here nor there. Penix just went into Jane Daniels State and put on a bigger show than Daniels ever could at LSU. I mean, he put up 606 yards against Florida. I'm pretty sure that was at LSU, too. So, I mean, 606 yards in one game. So, yeah, Penix didn't put forth a performance. I mean, I think it was the best performance in college. It was on a way bigger stage. But if you just want to talk about individual performances minus the stage, then no, it's not bigger. Like, it's not a bigger show in all caps than Daniels ever could at LSU. It's not true. Uh, This is why the Heisman Trophy should be after the bowl season. I mean, I don't really care about that. Uh, What Penix did tonight is worth more than Jane's entire season combined. Okay. I mean, you might want to, you okay? You breathing over there? Breathe out your nose. It's fine. Breathe out your nose. You're good. <laughs> good Lord. I don't understand. It's crazy. Great. Absolute craziness. I think Penix had a good season. I think Penix is fine winning second. But the way the end season ended, again, with not great performances against Washington State and Arizona State, you're going to not win the Heisman. I'm sorry. You can be as undefeated as you want. Good thing the Heisman's individual award. It's not a team award. It's not. I don't care. I hate that this is what it's come to. I talked about this months ago. I hate this is what it comes to. Jaden Daniels was the best player in college football by a wide margin this season. And that's why he got 70% of the vote. Like I like Michael Penix. I like Bo Nix. I like Marvin Harrison Jr. But, come on. The biggest Heisman snub ever? Ever? There's been some pretty big Heisman snubs. And Michael Penix definitely isn't one of them since Jane Daniels had more yards than Joe Burrow did in his Heisman season. So let's let's settle down here. Let's settle down here. The copium is getting ridiculous now. But I think that's all I've got for you. I think that's all. Oh, the Bills have played eight primetime games after this one. That is insane. Yeah, no more primetime games, please. I'm done, I'm done with primetime games. But uh, that's all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did not, I sincerely apologize. I'll try to be better next time if you didn't. And uh, yeah. I will see you guys later. We'll see if we have a show on Friday. If not, I'm gonna I'm not gonna promise anything. But if we do, cool. If we don't, I apologize. And yeah, make sure to check out Logan Blackman show on all the different forms of social media. And I will see you guys later. Peace.